last week on the Nickel and Dime Podcast. Two weeks ago on the Nickel and Dime Podcast. It's the same thing over and over. Nothing's changing. Nothing's improving. It's just sticking to the same thing. And I gotta I gotta be honest with you, I'm kinda done. Tigers are going out ten and two, and we're gonna sneak in the college football playoff somehow. We're at seven right now. You know, some weird stuff's gonna happen in the top five, and I think we're just gonna we're gonna slide right in there and we're gonna have a good finish to the season. What do you think? Florida's on the come up. Tennessee's right. gonna be on the come up. Missouri seems to be pretty solid every year. I think Vanderbilt's gonna be on the come up pretty soon. Kentucky is gonna have to keep it rolling, or they're they gonna fa- they're gonna find themselves behind again. So I think that that factor that the Chiefs have kind of been sliding through weaker teams. I think that uh, the Rams are gonna show them, you know, what a, what a good team is made up, kind of like New England did. This is a Titans team that well they they lift you up, but then they let you down oh so harshly. And that's what I think is going to happen this Sunday. Colts win. And Harrison, I think the Colts win big. Now here's your host, Tyler Eaton. Welcome to the 12th episode now of the Nickel and Dime podcast. I am Tyler Eaton, joined every week except for last week because of Thanksgiving break. Happy holidays to everyone out there by Harrison Vaught, Casey Warner. We've got a special guest this week, the voice of the Lady Toppers. Brett Williams is with us, Harrison. It's going to be awesome. we got a great show lined up. But first things first, breaking news for WKU football. No, they didn't make a bowl game, but they got a new coach. They yes. let Coach Sanford go. We were wondering if they would do it. They did on Sunday. They announced that Coach Mike Sanford Jr. was gone after reports had surfaced that he would keep the job if they won out. Well, they did. And they played very well against Louisiana Tech on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it turns out the reports were not quite correct. Coach Sanford is gone. And now in his place is former WKU offensive coordinator Tyson Helton. He coached at WKU under Jeff Brom. You do have to note, though, he didn't call the plays. He was kind of one of those offensive coordinators that was good for some practice. But when it came game time, it was Brom running the show. He then went to USC with his brother, Clay Helton, he coached Sam Darnold there, so he's had some pretty good quarterbacks, Dowdy at WKU, Sam Darnold at USC, then was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee last year, was on the hot seat there, probably about to be fired by either Jeremy Pruitt or somebody else, and now here he is at WKU. Harrison, what are your initial thoughts on the hire? I think it's very fast. It's a very (laughs) quick hire, especially the day after the the firing happened. But I think also, and I think you can agree with this too, this is something that's been on Stewart's mind for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't attend the press conference yesterday, but I did, or on Sunday, but I did hear that there, you could, no one asked him anything about the new, uh, new coach or anything, but you could definitely tell that he had the mood of knowing who he was going to hire. Like, he definitely had someone on his mind more than anybody else about who he was going to hire. And apparently that someone is Mr is Tyson I just Helton. Helton. Thank, yes. thank you. I just lost yeah. Tyson Helton from Tennessee. And looking at his like resume and like how he was like under Brom, like before Sanford was here and while Brom was here. And the players seem to be excited. Oh, the players him. love him. The, the players love him. And it's that, all over yeah. Twitter. Their players are like, this guy is legit. He's great. One thing I've really noticed is that he's a great motivator, is what yes. the players are saying, which is what this team needs. You yes. know, they need somebody that can light a fire under them. But when you look at what he did at just Tennessee in particular this past season, it's not great. Anyone that watched Tennessee knows that offense was just about as shaky as possible. They ended the season 
86th in overall offensive efficiency. Uh, that's not what you're looking for, but he really didn't have too much talent to work with there. You look at in the past when he worked with Sam Darnold, that offense was great. You can credit it to Darnold, or you can give him a little credit. Then you look when Brom was here. Brom did call the plays, but Brandon Dowdy was a baller, so you got to give him a little credit for that. And now he comes here, and you figure that the key to all of this is going to be Kavars Thomas's development. You know, he's yes. the guy now. We've seen three quarterbacks play this year. He was not one of them, but he's the four-star recruit that's been sitting. He's been waiting in the wings for his opportunity. And now you bring in a guy that's known for being good with quarterbacks. I think this entire hire banks on Kavars Thomas's development. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think... Also, back to what you said about uh, you know when with when coaches are able to motivate players, right. not only do coaches have to like you know run the offense and the defense to win more games and to make sure that their team is really good, but when you have a, a coach that is able to motivate the players and to be like a good motivator for the players, I think that is a huge huge key in like, absolutely the, in, the, in the relationship, not just the relationship, but also their performance on the field too. And I think it just sets a great atmosphere on the staff and on, on just on the entire team in general. And our friend Coach O, who's going to be here later on to talk <laughs> about a, a disappointing but very exciting loss for the Tigers, seven overtimes against Texas A&M. He is known for being a great motivator. He's not a great coach. People know it. He's got two very good coordinators, got one of the best offensive, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country, but he's just great at motivating his guys. And if Helton can come in and do that, that might be something that Sanford wasn't able to do. Sanford was a great recruiter. He had two of the best recruiting classes in WKU history, but when you look at the results, ultimately was only 9-16 and 16 in his two years here on the Hill. The, the report, though, from Bowling Green Daily News, they had to come out saying if he wins out, he's going to stay. Ended up being completely false. I don't know where they heard that, but I think a lot of people that heard that could have told you there's no way Todd Stewart said that. Maybe right. someone close to him had assumed it, but Todd Stewart, he's... He's beyond that. He's one of the best athletic directors out there. I will say that to anyone. I don't care about the Sanford hire. You can you can still defend it because if he stays around, I think what's ultimately going to happen, Harrison, is that this team is going to succeed under Helton, but it's going to be partially because of the amount of talent that Sanford is leaving him behind to develop because he brought in two great recruiting classes, had another good one in coming, coming in this year. I don't know how good it's still going to be, how many guys are going to stay, how many guys are going to go. But I think there's a lot of talent there to be developed, and maybe they need a motivator like this to come in and really bring the best out of them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it def like def oh, stuttering here, but I do believe that Stanford has like left a lot for uh, Helton to right. develop, and I think it's going to bring something new and maybe something, maybe something different too, and maybe something new, and maybe we'll be able to like win more games. Of course next year and I'll I mean I know you're gonna be here for another two years I'll be here for my it'll be my last semester of football yeah. last year so, or you next need year. some wins so yes I could I could use some wins. send Harrison yeah. out on top that's yeah. what matters <laughs> tops on top Harrison on yeah. top Tops that's on top, all yeah. that matters around here but you talked about that press conference with athletic director Todd Stewart one thing that he said was that he knew that he was going to make to make the decision obviously he had to have known if he won the last two games if Sanford won the last two games and he's still God. One thing that Todd Stewart said about that was when when he was asked why he kept the guy or why he kept Coach Sanford mm -hmm. for the last two games, right? Even though it didn't matter if he won or lose, won or lost, he's getting rid of him. He said that it would be an indication that they were quitting on the team. Right. So yes. that is apparently the reason that Sanford stuck around for the last two games. And he also said that he also commended him as well for being like a really really good coach. I just don't think I don't I don't think WKU is like a very good 
fit or the team was just a very good fit for him for a head coaching position. Yeah, it was a little position. weird. And yeah. the biggest problem you can point to is there were only 10 seniors, not mm-hmm. a lot of leadership. And as a young coach, your first head coaching job, you need those guys to help you as much as you're going to help them. And it just wasn't there. Yeah. It just was not there. No, no. He was supposed to be the lone source of leadership, and he just couldn't be that lone source. Can Helton be that? Maybe. I mean, I would like he's to, another guy that hasn't had a head coaching job, though. I was, I was just about to say that. This is another guy. This is going to be his first head coaching job when he comes here next year. Now, he's been around the block a little bit more, though. Mm-hmm. He's been here at Western, so he's familiar with the atmosphere, familiar with the climate. And he was here when WKU was at, at its peak or yes. just beginning its peak under Brom and being a, an offensive coordinator in the SEC he's used to like the like the big atmosphere yeah. and then like the, going against like really big teams so if we ever go against a team like I don't know like Wisconsin again or another really big team right or just he'll just know what to do like when we go against like divisional teams like in the conference USA similar to how he went against similar teams in the SEC the only question I have for Helton is he is he that guy that can take that next little step because this team is just one little step away from being very competitive they had four games that they lost by a field goal. If you win those four games, you're seven and five. You erase the Charlotte loss, you're eight and four right there. Mm-hmm. So this team is so close, so very close. They need a guy that can just take them over the edge. I don't know if it's Helton. I don't know if it would have been Hugh Freeze if they bring back Petrino. I think those two guys were safer bets. But I think because of the way that Stewart made the move, he knows he's got to hit a home run with this hire because right. he can't afford another bad hire. No. I don't think he'll get fired or anything, but the public is still, I think, on his side, mostly. Mm-hmm. Yes. I've seen some crazy people yelling that he should be fired for hiring Sanford or whatever. That's not going to happen. Todd Stewart is a great athletic director, but... He knows what he's doing. Yeah, if he whiffs on this one, though, he might be in a little hot water. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's not up to me. The decision nope. was made by Todd Stewart, and I will say this. I will close with this on WKU. I am not one to question the great Todd Stewart. I am not one either. I, uh, as you say, our job is just to talk about it, to talk about his decisions mm-hmm. and give our opinion about it. And I also just want to say that I wish the very best of luck to Mike Sanford. Oh, yeah. Whatever, whatever, wherever he goes. Oh, he's, he's not here. done. He'll be no, making no, 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 some no. dough. He'll yeah. be an offensive coordinator at some big school. I mean, he came here from Notre Dame. So exactly. yeah, he'll get a good yeah, job. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's an offensive coordinator opening at Tennessee. He could go there. He now, could, a lot of people are saying yeah. that now Hugh Freeze could end up being there. So... Who knows? That's why they call it the coaching carousel. Everybody just goes round and round. But like Harrison said, best of luck to Coach Sanford and his family, his father included. Yes, he's been fired as yeah. well. The rest of his family, they, you know, there was not success here. Like you said, I just don't think it was a good fit. But he never once turned his back on Western, never nope. once turned his back on the fan base. He took responsibility for everything. He always talked to the media. Was a great guy. It seemed like he seemed like he was a, a kind very, of he was a very nice like kind guy. of dude that you just want to hang out with. You know, very nice guy. I heard nothing but good things about him, and I gave a tour to a family that was friends with him, and they they, they could just say nothing but good things. About you know who man. I've heard nothing but good things about? Who? Coach O. <laughs> and you know who I've heard it from? Who? Coach O. That's oh, all okay. he talks yeah. about is himself and the LSU Tigers. We're gonna have him and Casey Warner here next on the Nickel and Dime Podcast. Casey here with us now. We're going to talk some college football. Casey, 
Kentucky took care of business against Louisville like we expected them to do against Tennessee. Didn't get the job done in that one, but 9-3 to end the season for the Wildcats. Right now, looking at the college football playoff rankings, those are the ones that matter. Ranked number 15, right behind Texas and Washington State, who just fell to Washington. Are you happy with that end-of-season ranking? I'm sure you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, immediately <laughs> you just look at it, and if you would have asked me week one where I wanted Kentucky to be at the end of the year, I would have realistically said 7-5, and 8-4, and four. and if we were ranked, I would have been – completely happy with 25 even so I mean the fact that they finished nine and three are solid at 15 and have the opportunity to win 10 games on the season is right. just incredible to me so I can't be can't be happier with that you know Mark Stoops did an excellent job this year there were a couple opportunities he might have missed but overall just a good season and a great finishing touch on the regular season with that win over Louisville and you know I've, I've had some hate for some of the stuff that I've said about Kentucky over the course of the season I've been very cautious in my optimism but I'm gonna say this and this is gonna sound like a bit of a, a homer I am a born and raised Kentucky fan oh, yeah. but this is just let it out this is just totally unbiased this is just looking at one team that beat another team how is Florida oh god at nine and three the same record as Kentucky both of them nine and three Kentucky beat Florida by double digits in the swamp right. and Florida is ranked number nine yeah, I've I've seen nothing but uproar over this from UK fans, including myself. No, I everyone can, should be yeah, upset with everyone. This. I mean, it's it'd be one thing if they were maybe one or two spots ahead of them, but I mean, six whole spots ahead of a team that you got beat by by double digits on your own home field. I mean, it just the only thing that seems to make sense here, what the experts are saying, is the win over LSU. Did it weigh that much? I mean, I I really don't understand seeing as Kentucky had. Three ranked wins. They had Texas A&M, Mississippi State, and Florida. And then Florida had Mississippi State and LSU, I believe. And that was their only two. So, I mean, even if you look at the whole body of work of ranked wins, Kentucky still gets the, gets the uh, upper hand there. So, I mean, I just really don't know how you can even put them six whole spots ahead. That's a head-scratcher to me. But you know how the media is. You know, Kentucky is not one of the traditional power teams. Right. So, I mean, they're never going to get a helping hand on that that aspect but you know yeah definitely a head scratcher there I'm I'm questioning the same way as you Tyler I really don't understand that but I mean what are you going to do at this point and you know I'm not a big LSU fan and I'll, I talked to coach O about it we go back oh, and forth with it you know I don't I don't really like this team that much I think right. they're overrated I think Florida is overrated at well at number nine whoever thought putting both of those teams with three losses in the top right. 10 they need to be stripped off the committee. Yeah, they got to go. I don't agree. care if Washington State just lost to Washington. Mm -hmm. They've got two losses. Oh, you yeah. put them in the top ten. Right. No and doubt. The, whoever was ranking LSU ahead of UCF, mm -hmm. you got to go. And yeah, I assume it's the same person that wants LSU still yeah. there at ten. Michigan at seven over UCF is ridiculous. Oh, I agree. I, I don't care who you play. I, I, I really don't. Throw it out the window. A ten and two team should not be ranked ahead of a team that is undefeated and playing in their no, conference sir. championship game. It doesn't make sense. There is no, no shot for a team like UCF to make it in the playoffs. Oh, no. It's it's just not fair. It's like we were we were texting about earlier in the week. I mean, you made the whole playoff system for there to be an undisputed champion. Right. So who's disputing right now that there are four undefeated teams? Nobody. There are <laughs> right. four undefeated teams. Only four at the FBS level. So one would think, common sense says, if you have four undefeated teams – to be an undisputed champion, you would put those four undefeated teams in the playoff, right? Well, right. apparently not. I mean, I just like you said that the Michigan one's a real head scratcher to me. I just don't understand how you put two loss Michigan 
one ranking ahead of UCF. I mean, that makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, I'm really starting to think that UCF's quarterback going down for the year with that gruesome injury really is hurting their chances No, I right think now. if he was still there, I don't think they would have put him ahead of Michigan. Right. You look yeah, at the body of I, work. I they said they're not allowed to look forward. That's what they yeah, said. They exactly. said we don't look forward with the right. rankings. Then you can't assume how they are going to play without yeah, Mackenzie Milton. You can't have that double standard. You have to have the same standard at all times with the rankings. When you look at how the rankings work, work it's supposed to be we put the best teams ahead of teams that we think would beat them. You look at the rankings, that's, I mean, there's no way that's true. You look at, I don't know, Missouri at 24. Yeah. Who's, who is not picking them to beat number 20 Syracuse? Who's picking Syracuse in that game? I don't care yeah, where it is. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably go with Mizzou on that one, too. And how is A&M still back there at 19? How do they not move ahead of a Mississippi yeah. State, a Utah? You're not moving them ahead of West Virginia, who I don't know how they're down there at 16. There is no way. You could convince me that West Virginia is the 16th best team in the country. There's no way. And that's no. what these rankings are designed to fix. It's not supposed oh, yeah. to be by record, but then they start, they twist it. They'll say, oh, this team has a better record than the other one. But then when you've got a team like UCF that's sitting there undefeated, then they'll say, oh, well, you know, Michigan beat so and so. They played so and so. Who did Michigan really beat this year? They lost not to good much. teams. That's awesome right, to right. lose to good teams. They really didn't get many quality wins over the course of the season. LSU beat Georgia. That's fine and dandy. Sure. Florida beat LSU. That's yeah. awesome. But when you look at Kentucky, and I'll go back to this, you beat the team that beat LSU. Your right. worst loss was Georgia. Yeah, you lost to Tennessee. That's fine. But this is one thing they talk about in NCAA basketball. Mm -hmm. Your wins should be prioritized more than your losses. Oh, of course. But if you have no losses... You're undefeated. All you've done is win. That's There's right. nothing against you. I don't yeah. get it. I mean, and furthermore, to build on that, undefeated now for two straight seasons. Yeah. I mean, who? I just don't understand who is not putting a team <laughs> that's won 25 straight games now into the playoff. I mean, what more do they have to do? To me, they should have been preseason top 10 automatically. Yeah, for I mean, undefeated. you just went undefeated. You finished right. the season before. I think they were number three yeah. in the AP yeah. poll somewhere I mean, in there. So if they finished at number three, and they return a lot. They've got their starting star right. quarterback back on the team, and they end up debuting in the college football playoff rankings at number 12 mm. when all they've done is win. What shot do they have? Yeah, it's I don't know. It's clearly still a flawed system, like I've said from the start. I mean, I I didn't necessarily agree with a four-team playoff. It's, it's pro progress, you know, but I'd, right. I'd rather see eight or more. Eight, 16 would be would be even greater just to see, you know, more competition in a real undisputed champion. Because, I mean, obviously, if there's an undefeated team not in it right now, it's just not fair to them. So I'll ask you this based on what you just said. You said four undefeated teams, that should be the playoffs. If you had to pick a playoff that you want right now, whether it be just based off of who you want to see play or the credentials, who would you pick for your two first-round matchups? Who are your four teams in the playoffs if it's up to you right now? If it's up to me, you got Alabama clear-cut at one. Oh, yeah. And then you're going to have them playing against the four. I'll say UCF. I mean, that would be be a good option to me. Okay. And then two and three, Clemson and Notre Dame. I mean, simple as that. Like I said, four undefeated teams. And, I mean, the number one's clearly Alabama. They've not been stopped by anybody this year by any means. Notre Dame at a three because they still got a few question marks. Clemson, you know, they've been solid, solid too. But, I mean, UCF undefeated. Right. Gotta be number four. And I think the ratings for that game would go through the roof. Yeah. I okay, almost yeah. think as many people I know Ohio State and Alabama is huge. I get it. There are a lot oh, yeah. of Ohio State fans, there are a lot of Alabama games. Right. But I think a UCF Alabama game could compete with that in the rankings. Yeah, no doubt. Everybody would want to see it. Who does I not want to see that game? 
Who doesn't? And they'll say, oh, well, Alabama's going to kill them. Alabama's killed plenty of teams yeah. in the playoffs, in national championship games. Everybody brings up that old Notre Dame-Alabama championship game where Alabama looked far superior from Notre Dame. Notre Dame oh, didn't yeah. belong on that field. Right. Yeah, I agree. And they didn't beat anybody that year either. It's just, no. it's come full circle. UCF is here. The system was designed to give them a chance. We saw what happened with Boise State in the past. This was supposed oh, to yeah. be a fix to where a team like that would have a shot. That ultimately has not happened. But the teams that do have a shot right now, Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame there at 3, Georgia at 4. That's interesting to see them ahead of Oklahoma and Ohio State. When you look at Georgia, obviously we know how good they are, but their resume is pretty weak overall. Right, yeah, and I mean, what I did when I saw these initial rankings, I looked at the three one-loss teams, Yeah, and you got, in that order, you got Georgia, Oklahoma, then Ohio State. So, you know, I went and dug into their schedule and looked, and I think what they did there is they took Georgia, who had the best quality loss out of those three, okay. against LSU, who's right. the highest ranked currently. Which does not make sense to me. I don't think right. that, right, but yeah, I go mean, on, go on. Clearly According fl- to them. Yeah, clearly According flawed, like they said, but then you got Oklahoma, whose loss was against Texas, who was number 19, so that's your second worst quality and loss. And I'll say this, if Texas and LSU played today on a neutral field, give me Texas. And I don't even mean that I'd in terms of me not liking this LSU team. Give me Texas. Yeah, I Absolutely. Mean, now, I'm not yeah. I'm not taking Purdue over those guys because I know who, no. that's who you're getting to with Ohio State. Right. But did they not watch Ohio State play against Michigan? No. Did they I not? Mean, they were dominant. When you look at Notre Dame versus Michigan earlier this season and now Ohio State versus Michigan, Ohio State just annihilated Michigan. Right. They look like the yeah. far better team. Oklahoma has no defense, but Kyler Murray, right. if you just gave out the Heisman based on who is the most valuable player to their mm. team, Kyler Murray wins it. Yeah, no doubt. This dude is a baller. I don't know why Georgia is still there at four. It's like, why was LSU still sitting there at seven? Right. And why do they only, well, I'm going to keep going, why do they fall, only fall to 10? Yeah. I, I don't mean, get it. I, I like know. I said, I think they just looked at the losses. I mean, you got the loss to LSU at right. 13. And then you got Oklahoma's loss to Texas at 19. And then you got Purdue, of course, who's 6-6. Six and six. So, I mean, they clearly put them below the three. But, I mean, there's a lot more to take into account, like you said. You know, Ohio State's on a roll right now. I mean, they beat the crap out of Michigan. That was an ugly game. And I anybody mean, who knows anything about football, if you picked Michigan to win that game, I'm sorry, your credentials yeah. are gone. Right. You, don't, you do mean, not pick no. Harbaugh against no. Urban Meyer. Yeah, you that's what don't. I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, Harbaugh <laughs> has struggled against Urban Meyer and Ohio State. We know that. But, I mean, yeah, it's just the 3-1 loss teams, I don't know if they got it right, but I see what they did. Right. But then again, I still think you got to put that undefeated UCF over them. And then certainly Michigan has no business being seven. I have no idea why they're right there. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's a head-scratcher to me. And then Florida at nine that's is just, just dumb. <laughs> the biggest mystery of them all. I still don't it's get that. Dumb. So, But one scenario that we have talked about, and a lot of people nationally have talked about this, and now it's really a reality, is if Alabama loses to Georgia. If Alabama loses to Georgia do. in that SEC championship game, and let's say Ohio State and Oklahoma both win, who are you putting in as the four? Mm. I mean, you got to give it to Alabama, man. I'm sorry. Really? You See, you have to. Here's the thing. See, no, I just I don't like it. I don't like I it. I don't you gotta, either. You got a four-team playoff, and if your standard is the four best teams, then fine, put Alabama in. That's yeah. cool. But you got two conference champions. Yeah. Two conference champions. Now, keep oh, in yeah. mind, you're also putting Notre Dame in. You're only going to have two conference champions in the college football playoff. And that's the complete opposite of what this was designed for. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, it's clearly still flawed. And like I said, I knew going with just four teams, there'd be so much controversy. Yeah, you have eight teams. This is fixed. Yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. I mean, move it to eight teams. And I'll tell you even furthermore the theory I've been saying for a few years now. Oh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. My theory is 
you get rid of the conference championships because oh, all those, they're pointless. All those dudes, it's for money. More, yeah, all those dudes create more controversy, and I mean, every conference doesn't even have one at this point. So right. I mean, it's really not too fair in that aspect, anyways. And then you get you get you make a sixteen team playoff. See, yeah. and here's why it works because there's four games. 12 regular season games, four playoff games. If you make it to the championship, that's 16 total. That's like an NFL season. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in essence, you're preparing those guys for a 16-game season anyway, so I don't see why you wouldn't do it. There'd be so much less controversy. And, I mean, I just think it would open things up a lot more to where it would be fair for teams to actually get in that deserve right. it. Right, and know? The, the only issue with the conference championship games being gone would be interdivisional play. Yeah, but if you yeah. just wax the divisions and just say, you know, you'll randomly play nine conference opponents right. – then that just furthermore stresses the importance of beating the teams that you play. Yeah. And then you have to take into account we can only play who is scheduled. Sure. I don't yeah. know why people don't take that into account with UCF. Mm-mm, people don't no. understand. They didn't make the schedule before this no, season. They can't. If you go online, if you're a WKU fan, if you go online right now, you can look at WKU's non conference opponents for twenty twenty two. Right. That's yeah. how this works. It's oh, yeah. a money game. People schedule these games far in advance. UCF was not good three or four years ago. They were terrible when they set up these games to play this year. They can only play who is on the schedule. Right. And right. you know what they've done against everybody they've got scheduled? They have murdered them. Exactly. They have murdered them. You said, okay, we're going to give them Auburn. They don't stand a chance. They come in here undefeated. It's like when we fed Northern Illinois to Florida State. They beat Auburn. And I don't care what you say about what was on the line in that game. That's an SEC team getting in embarrassed That's right. in a big-time ball game, and you're not even going to give them a shot. And I tell you Don't what, I'm willing to say this. If they expanded it to eight teams, I promise you UCF would be ranked number nine right now. They would try to put Probably Florida would. in. Somehow, yeah. some way, this committee would justify three-loss Florida over undefeated UCF. But if it was up to Coach O, <laughs> he would justify a three-loss LSU team somehow getting into the playoffs. Of course, LSU suffering that loss. In seven overtimes, Casey, did you catch any of the game? I actually didn't catch any oh of that my game. I'm, goodness. I'm kicking myself in the behind for missing that game. I mean, seven overtimes, that's that's pretty rowdy right there. You know, I'm like I said, I'm really kicking myself. 74-72, you know, almost, you know, a little bit more actually than the Chiefs-Rams game. That's quite yeah, the shootout I will say, right I, there. This is hard for me to say. I know you're a Rams fan, a little yeah, bit yeah. biased on this, but I think I was more locked into that or seven overtime game than I was the Rams Chiefs I'm game. I'm sure you are. I don't About blame you. five overtimes in, because I'm like, come on, AM, beat them, right. expose them. Oh, yeah. Please prove me right. Yeah. And I tell you what, AM is going to be, I mean, they're already good. They're already a top 20 team, and I think they're better than that ranking. Oh, yeah. Barely lost to Clemson, had to play Alabama. You take those away, it's a two, 10 and 2 team that's probably in the top 10 right now. But I'll tell you what, Jimbo Fisher in there, that team is going to be a force to be reckoned oh, yeah. with in the. SEC West, and I'm even I'm even willing to go as far to say as in a few years they're going to scare Bama. I don't mm. know if I don't mm. know if they'll be ready to compete to win the SEC mm-hmm. West, but they're going to scare Bama in a few years. The LSU Tigers were supposed to scare them this year, didn't quite get it done. But we're going to have Coach O in here to talk about the A and M game and looking forward to bowl season. I know he's going to be a little disappointed with just a New Year's Six bowl, but we'll get his opinion on it right now. I control the whole bayou. 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 
He is Harry's Heisman hopefuls. He is the number one candidate. He should be the only Heisman candidate for the rest of the year. Give him the trophy now, Tyler. That Tua Tagga backpack, Tagga whatever his name is, he's not even in the conversation. Nick Brousset has got it sewn up, Tyler. You better believe it. All five of your Harry's, Harry's Heisman hopefuls are going to be Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, Nick Brousset, and guess who? Nick Brousset. LSU is going to win every game I say they're going to win this year. I control the whole Bayou, and I control the whole South. I control Alabama next week because we got that victory already mapped out. I am the greatest podcast person in the world, and I make my way onto every podcast that discusses the LSU Tigers. From the heart of Cajun country and the soul of America, it's the man in charge from the Atlantic to the Mississippi. Fresh off a hot bowl of jambalaya, here's the head coach of the Bayou, Ed Orgeron. Oh, I was very impressed with that game the other day. How about that, Tyler? We put up 72 points in however many overtimes it was. I'm not mad at all because, to me, that's not even a loss. I'm not even counting it as a loss, Tyler. And you know why? Because that overtime system is just a whole big, fat bowl of jambalaya. That whole overtime system just needs to be null and void. They need to completely get rid of it, and that's why I'm looking at this game as not a loss. I'm not calling it a win, but I'm not calling it a loss, and I'm very happy with my team putting up 72 points. Why are you so happy about losing? I don't, I don't care what you say. I don't care if you don't consider it a loss, Coach, but you did, in fact, lose. Well, it's okay. You know what? I've been I've been working with my with my therapist a little bit and eating more oh. jump eating more jambalaya, okay. and it's things are just going well in my life right now. Real happy. We're still gonna get a New Year's Six bowl. We like I said, we put up seventy two points. Nick Brousset rushed for seven hundred yards the other day. I was very happy with that. And like I said, what can you say about just a flawed system? You know, it's 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 none of my business what they do, but I mean. I don't like it, you know, so I'm just going to not even call it a loss, and we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Coach, uh, Nick Brissett was not even your leading rusher. Well, that. you know, we, we thought he was going in at the end of the game, and I, and I really just looked at him and I was like, you know what, son, you're the leading rusher today. So you just declared that he led the team in rushing yards with how much did you say he had again? 700 yards. 700 yards. Yeah, he, uh, he had 61. Your quarterback led the team in rushing. Times nine. With 100. Okay, whatever you say, Coach, regardless. You did lose, but like you said, your offense put up 72 points. How about that, Tyler? That How was about great. That, that, that was, was great, pretty awesome, yep. except for the defense gave up uh, 74. Well, you know what? What you do is you subtract the amount of points that we gave up in all those bloody overtimes. Correct. And then that's how many points we actually gave up. So but, to but me, the points you, know, you scored in the overtime, those stay. Sure, yes. Okay, so yes. you actually won this game. Let me do a little quick math for you, Coach. So according to Coach O, the LSU Tigers just beat Texas A&M uh, 72-31. That's right. A 41-point victory for the Tigers. They are now 10-2 and on the season. Uh, somehow fell three spots in the college football playoff rankings despite winning that game at Texas A&M by 41 points. Oh, wait. It's because they actually lost by two. They're now number 10 in the rankings at 9-3. and Not a terrible regular season, Coach. You will probably, unless... Some unforsaken change happens in the college football playoff rankings. Be headed to a New Year's Six Bowl, Coach. And do you know who right now at this moment you are slated to face off against? Who is that? Who is it? The UCF Knights. Oh, goodness. That team that nobody even cares about. I mean, hey, look at them. They're undefeated and they didn't even make the top four. I mean, what does that tell you about them? They're not very good, Tyler. That means we're going to whip their behinds. You know, Auburn thought that going into last year and UCF took it to Auburn. Well, hey, that's Auburn. You know, 
their problem is they're in the state of Alabama. We're in the state of the bayou, buddy. The bayou. We're in good old Louisiana. And what do you know? We're going to win that game. Because they're in Florida. We're in we're in Louisiana, and that's all that matters. So the only reason you're going to beat UCF is because you are from Louisiana? And that's right. And you know what I control, Tyler. What do I control? Uh, the bayou? The whole bayou. Okay. Okay, but hold on, hold on, Coach. Hold on. Once again, there's another hole in your reasoning that for some reason you managed to have forgotten. You lost to Florida, the well, team that is most known in the state of Florida. You lost well, to them. Well, you know what? UCF is two wins better than Florida, so I think I might know a little bit about what I'm talking about. So I think even though we lost to Florida, if we put it on University of Central, friggin' whatever their name is, we are gonna we're gonna establish ourselves that that Florida Gators loss did not matter. It did not matter, and so that's gonna just expunge it off our records. That's that's actually something new that you can do this year that I created. You can expunge losses off your record at the end of the year if you beat the team from the same state. I mean, you already claimed that you actually beat Texas A and M. So that's you right. Expunged that loss. So according yes. to you, if you beat UCF, you will end the season at eleven and one. What do you know? See, you're catching on now. You're catching on. You also claim that you're going to beat UCF because they're better than Florida, who beat you. Well, you know, there, there's a little, there's, there's a few little mechanics we got to work out in, okay. this, in this system. But, but as I said, you know, the whole system's flawed anyways. So I might as well make up my own rules that work for me, right? Right. And I, I love to see a cocky oh, coach yeah. back yeah. here with us. Got one more time that we'll have Coach O here. One more time this semester. We got one more show left after this one. Coach, are you going to be there for the season finale? Well, of course I'm going to be there, Tyler. Where else would I be? I don't know. Down on the bayou, brother. Well, you know, I can make it from the bayou to here in like five minutes. It's no big deal. How's me. my impression? You like it? You think I'm pretty? You think I'm getting there? Oh, you're, you think you're I getting fit there. In? Just eat some more jambalaya and you'll, you'll be right there with me. Well, we got two bowls sitting right over there that are just for you. You go chow right. down and we're going to get Harrison in here for Harry's Heisman hopefuls. Coach, thank you so much we'll for joining us. Will do, sir. Will do. Always a pleasure. seemed as though a few weeks ago the Heisman race was locked up. Tua Tugavailoa was bringing that thing home, but it seems like recently it's kind of opened up a little bit. Harrison here with us, as always, with Harry's Heisman hopefuls. Harrison, in your mind, has it started to really feel like that there are some other guys that might be able to sneak in there here on championship weekend? There possibly could. I don't have five guys like I usually do because the football season is kind of coming to an end right now. And the Heisman announcement is going to be coming up soon of who they're going to announce to be the winner. I got three guys. Okay. Now. Now. And this is a first, too. I don't think we've ever seen uh, two Heisman candidates play against each other like we did this weekend. Uh, Maybe not. I no, no, I don't think we have yet. I don't think we have either. I was, I, I was hesitant about that. I didn't know if we did, <laughs> but then it was. Uh, I saw the the results of the Oklahoma and the West Virginia game, and that was that was a, that was a pretty good game. Yep, Kyler Murray pretty, came yes, to play. Yes, they did, and Will Greer. And yeah, Will Greer. He, yeah, Will yes. Greer played well. It's just that the rest of his team at West Virginia just aren't quite on the level of what Oklahoma's got. No, no, and they need to they need to work on that offense as well if they want to keep like making it to what Oklahoma is or if they want to keep like or if they want to win their bowl game. Right. Too, which they should. Which they should. But because I that also brings me to my first two 
candidates uh, for the top three. It is the, I'll go ahead and start with Will Greer because we just met, talked about him. Three touchdowns against, or four touchdowns against Oklahoma, uh, 539 passing yards. That's a lot. Yes, that is a lot. <laughs> and this, this is also a lot. 3,864 passing yards and 37 touchdowns for the season. Yeah, that those stats would win a Heisman Trophy for a lot of guys. Yes, they would. I don't yes, think it would. will for Will. I don't think it will for Will. You get it? Yeah. But <laughs> I get you. Just because they're not in that conference championship game. Yes. He won't have that extra game to try to have one more moment. He had his moment against Texas, but I think he needed one more thing to really push him over the edge. A win over Oklahoma would have helped. They don't get it. I don't know. I think he yeah. might be in New York for the ceremony, but I don't think he'll be going up on stage to get the to get the trophy. Well, we'll be uh, we'll, we'll we'll watch him we'll watch him on ESPN while he's in New York and cheering for him anyway. Um, <laughs> I know you will. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now up down to number two, someone else we just mentioned, Kyler Murray, uh, boosted his hopes with 364 passing yards and three touchdowns. And some similar season stats to Mr. Will Greer with 3,674 passing yards and 37 touchdowns. And listen to this. He became the first uh, quarterback in Oklahoma football history with three rushing touchdowns in a game since Trevor Knight in 2014, which is pretty impressive. That's the the difference between Kyler and Will Greer and Kyler Murray and just about every quarterback in the country. He is so good with using his legs. I mean, the dude was a first-round pick or in the in the MLB draft. Mm-hmm. He's a baseball player, yes. and not just he's a baseball player. He's an outfielder, so you know he's quick. He knows how to cover ground fast, and he has translated that to the football field, to the quarterback position in particular, very well. He knows very how to well. use his legs. Yes, he's yes. not quite Lamar Jackson, <laughs> but he knows how to use his legs. Yes, we do. Yeah, yes, he does. He does. <laughs> not we do. We do. We don't play the game. We don't really know how to use our legs, but. That brings me to my number one who, do I even need to do a drum roll? I think you already know who it is. I think everybody already knows who I it is. I think people that have never even seen one college football game in their entire lives know who this is. Yes. Would you like to say it? Tua Tugavailoa. You are You just want me to say it so you don't have to say his last name, don't you? No, no. I've actually been. I've actually, I've actually gotten the hang of saying okay. his last name. Yeah, Tugavailoa. Okay, Tugavailoa. Tugavailoa. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. In the Iron Bowl against the Dun-dun-dun-dun. Auburn Tigers. Iron Bowl. No, no, never mind. It was really bad. Forget I said that. 324 passing yards and five touchdowns. That's good. That's Solid. Really, very solid. And for the season, 3,189 passing yards and 36 touchdowns. And their next game will be the SEC Championship against the Georgia Bulldogs. That'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah, if he plays well in that game. It's a wrap. Yes. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. But if they somehow lose that game and Kyler comes out, I think they play Texas again, and that's their one loss they've had all year. If he mm-hmm. comes out in that one and just plays the game of his life, he could manage to get in there with Tua just because of how much he has done with his legs on the season. Yes. And he carries that Oklahoma team. Like, Tua's got a great defense, and he elevates the Alabama offense to a level that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But at Oklahoma... No defense is played. No. None. It no. is up to Kyler Murray to win every single game. And so far, he's done it all but once. And the one time he didn't get it done was against Texas. And he's got a chance to to remedy that. He's got a chance to make up for it. Yep. Yeah. 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 So you've got 201 still. Mm-hmm. But yes. Kyler's right there. Yes. And Will Greer's just kind of there in third. Yeah. Will Greer's kind of there in third. He was number one. But I'm <laughs> when looking at. <laughs> 
when looking at these stats and looking at the performance of these players that they've had over the season, Tua just tops them. Tua Tagovailoa <laughs> just tops them. Yeah, the roll tide. Yeah. Yep. Will Greer number three in the rankings, but number one in your heart. And you are number one in everyone's hearts for Harry's Heisman hopefuls. Thanks, man. Harrison, <laughs> thank you so much for doing it every single week. Of course, man. It's my pleasure. This week, we have a very special guest with us, the play-by-play voice of the Lady Toppers basketball team, Mr. Brett Williams here with us, and I, I, t- I say NFL because this man, he might be a ladies basketball play-by-play guy, but let me tell you something. Biggest Redskins fan that I have ever met, and I, I don't understand it. You went to South Carolina, right? That's where you yes, went to college. Did. Is that where you're originally from? No, I'm actually originally from just outside of D.C., so that's where oh, my connection's okay. from. Oh, okay. Now, yep. how has that like stuck with you? How have you lived through all the stuff that, you know, Redskins fans, they've been through it. They've been through just about everything. How have you been able to stick through it? And maintain that fandom. Yeah, it's just representing the family because they've <laughs> they've done it for generations. I mean, you can go back on on both sides of my family, and we're Redskins fans as long as the franchise has been in existence. So you know, eighty eighty five years, I think it is now. And you know, they've been they've been through it all. They were there through the glory days in the eighties, right? Know, winning three Super Bowls. My parents were there in Minneapolis in oh, ninety one awesome. during the Super Bowl uh, to beat the Bills, and, and they talk about that all the time. And so they just they raised me as a fan, and they've kept their season tickets for thirty years, and we're rocking and rolling. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Patriots fan, so I really, you know, I've got Too it pretty I got it pretty easy. So, you know, we're just yeah. we're coming out every year and it's fine, but for you to be a Redskins fan to stick through everything that's happened recently, big kudos to you for that. I know I it takes it. a lot sometimes, but like I said, play-by-play voice for the Lady Toppers in your first first year here, right? Yes. And you just got back from Vancouver. Oh, yes. What was that like? I know that had to be awesome. No, it was awesome. I mean, it just a, an unbelievable experience to, to get a chance to go out of the country and, and play some basketball and play against some of the best teams in the country. Yeah. I mean, you had, what, three top 15 teams were yes. there. Notre Dame was there. I mean, it, it was it was a time, and, and that city is just so beautiful. Everybody that I talked to leading up to it just said, you're so lucky to be going there. And uh, I, I knew that, although as much as, you know, as – We've talked about too off the air here. I'm a big uh, warm weather guy, and right. a lot of teams have gone to tropical locations, and, and here we go to Canada. But I mean, what a scene it was! I mean, just right there with the harbor, the mountains in the distance. The venue that we played at was a convention center that they retrofitted to to play basketball That's in, awesome. and it's just oh yeah, it was yeah. you know, and it's it stuck right out into the harbor, and just amazing hospitality up there. Just a great week. But if it were up to you, you'd be going down to like Maui or the Bahamas. Oh or yeah, something and like ideally, that. but you know, there's always next year. There's <laughs> so. always next year speaking of there always being next year that's kind of become the mentality of Redskins fans now you've seen the injury to Alex Smith he's out for the rest of the year just a heartbreaking injury the way it all happened the parallels with the injury from the past I know you Redskins fans really don't want to think about that but gosh it just the similarities there really irk I think a lot of people but a lot of people already looking forward to next year for the Redskins but I think there's still definitely a shot this year they're still right there in the mix in the NFC East technically in second place, but have the same record as Dallas, play Philly in Philly on Monday night. So you as a Redskins fan, do you think they have enough around Colt McCoy, who's in there at quarterback now, to make a legit run at the playoffs? I think they do. I think mostly not because of the weapons that they have, but just because the NFC East is so weak, <laughs> quite honestly. I mean, I, I don't have faith in any of these four teams, quite honestly. It's going to be another one of those years where somebody just kind of gets in by default and probably loses badly on the yep. home field in the first week. Uh, I guess the what the Vikings are right now sitting in that five wild card spot, so that's the team right now. 
maybe the Seahawks been on how they go. But uh, yeah, the Skins they they've always had the pieces all year. It has it's been ugly. I mean, when they were six and three, they were ugly, ugliest six oh, yeah. and three team. It was I think an I've ever ugly seen. six and three. Yeah, but but they were doing it old school. The defense was holding firm. They were running the ball on the ground. AP's had a little bit of a renaissance this year, and they've still got that. I quite honestly, when Alex Smith first went down, I said, you know, obviously I. I very sorry for him, and I certainly hope that he's able to, to play football again because right. that's obviously the biggest concern right now. But I think Colt McCoy has a chance to really spark this offense a bit, and we've seen that in bursts. He had a couple of good drives late in the Texans game, almost won that game, also against Dallas late. I mean, that game was pretty close until about a yeah. five-minute stretch in the third quarter where the wheels rolled off. It's just a matter of playing consistency and playing uh, playing consistently, I should say, and, and playing a complete game. They can do it. The question is, which of those four teams, and, and really threes, I don't think the Giants right. are going to do it, which of those three plays the most consistently over the last five? And the thing about a team led by Alex Smith is, like you're talking about with Colt McCoy, there's only so much you can do to tailor right. around his needs. You look at Kansas City now. They have completely broken that offense open, and it's not because they changed everything else. They just switched quarterbacks, and you've got Mahomes in there now, and he's willing to sling it all over the place. Alex Smith is going to be Alex Smith, and he's great at being Alex Smith. But a guy like Colt McCoy could open that offense up some more. But I do think the key to them being competitive is keeping that run game consistent. When you look at this number, and this blew my mind to look at this, I saw something similar to it. I was like, okay, I got to look into this. And it deals with Adrian Peterson, his rushing yards in wins and in losses. In wins, AP runs for over 100 yards a game, 105. Mm -hmm. In their losses, he's only running for 26 yards a game. There's an obvious trend there to be yep. taken away from that. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit different in terms of the it's it's more so in the execution on end for the skins mm -hmm. because and I was listening to the the highlights this morning of the Eagles Giants from yesterday and how Saquon Barkley had I think 19 touches in the first half and then only 5 in the second right. half and you can see how the game suddenly went the opposite direction for the Giants. We've seen the same thing with Zeke Elliott in Dallas. The Skins have been committed to AP yeah. since day 1 this season and it's worked out well for them. The problem is when they can't get him established early in the game, yes. the O-line's not blocking for him, then they start becoming one-dimensional in the passing game and that's when things start breaking down. So thankfully it's not a coaching aspect because we're seeing that kind of wreck things for other teams. But right now, and the old line, again, when you talk about just year after year, keeps getting injured. And here we are, we're seeing pieces. Brandon Sheriff's gone for the year. Morgan Moses was out for a bit. I think Sean Laval's out for yeah. the year. Trent Williams. I mean, it it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so at that point, what are you going to do? I mean, that, and that's how it's It seems like for Redskins fans, that's why I'm like, man, you know, kudos to you. There's yeah. The injury bug just seems to be mm -hmm. stuck in Washington. Of course, the most you know, iconic thing that comes to mind recently, RG3 comes in, leads them to right. the playoffs. It looks like he's the savior they need. And then it all is derailed by injuries. And it just, for some reason, Washington always gets bit by that injury bug. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just cursed or what's going on there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to know what's going on in the strength <laughs> and conditioning department. Yeah, maybe that's uh, what it is. I don't know. I mean, there's there's people who have legitimate concerns about the field conditions at FedEx Field, which, you know, by the way, is a sorry excuse for an NFL stadium <laughs> these days. Uh, and I think, quite honestly, on that end, the other big problem that's facing the skins is, of course, the management and right. poor decisions by Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen that have pretty much buried the franchise and the fan base along with it. I mean, that's why a lot of us are really fed up because you see, again, you go back to a couple of years ago and the pieces we had in place, Kirk Cousins, I believe they should have locked him up after that second oh, year. Oh, I love Kirk Cousins. I mean, now I know people are doubting him in Minnesota and you can you can look at all kinds of analytics. He just outplayed Aaron Rodgers, though. He outplayed Aaron Rodgers. And he's out. he outplayed Aaron Rodgers here with us. Yes. And I remember that Sunday night football game, I think in 2016, where he put up 42 oh, points yeah. or something. The whole, you know, how do you like me now game. <laughs> I mean, it. you know, it. what he was able to do and talk about opening up the offense, throwing the ball down the field. And that was the point at which 
Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson were out wide. Mm-hmm. You had Jordan Reed down the middle. You had Chris Thompson, who has also been hit with that injury bug. We had Alfred Morris. I oh mean, I goodness. still can't figure out why they got rid of Alfred <laughs> Morris because he looked like he was going to be the franchise right oh, yeah, back. Yeah, dude, he had like 1,500 rushing yeah. yards, didn't he? And then they just kick him to the curb. I don't know what happened. Then we get Matt <laughs> Jones. I mean, how'd that go? Yeah, I'm not, you know, whatever. So it's, you know, it, it just, to me, if we had all those pieces still, it would right. be a whole different ball game. And, and credit to the guys that are in there now and they're fighting and they've gotten us to six and five, but you just, you just wish. The right. things that those guys were still here. And there were the comments, I think it was after the Miami game from Josh Norman, where he was like, you know, I don't want to play at home. You know, right. what's the point? Our fans really, and it's not that the fans don't support the team. It's nothing to do with that. I know Redskins fans love their team right. about as much as any fans love their team. We've been talking about this. You got to be committed to be a Redskins fan. You're in it for the long haul. But that the management of the team, the ownership, it's just been... It's bad. That's the only way to describe it. It's just been bad. No question. I mean, everybody's, my dad has said a number of times he's convinced that the Skins will never win a Super Bowl until Dan Snyder (laughs) is no longer the owner of the team. That sounds like some Jerry Jones stuff. It really is. (laughs) And quite honestly, that's the best part of it all because we always look at Dallas and we're in the exact same boat we are. They're they're worse off than we are. They've got Jerry, you know, we we could have Jerry Jones. It could be worse. Hey, I mean, uh, that is is very true. You don't see Dan Snyder going into post-game press conferences, but uh, (laughs) I don't know. Like I said, FedEx, it's a shame because, you know, I grew up up going to that stadium I know what it's right. like and it's still not what RFK stadium was I'll say that but nonetheless when it had 90,000 strong in there mm-hmm. it was something to behold and now you know they took away 20,000 seats there are 20,000 empty seats nowadays right. and about half of the people that are there from the opposing team because <laughs> of price points because of uh, bad selling techniques there's just a lot of things that are creating that that unfortunate home atmosphere that uh, you know you're just not seeing a lot of fans there but when you look at the the remainder of Washington's schedule it seems as though they're going to control their own destiny to going extent, forward yeah. into the playoff. They still got Philly twice. They fared very well in conference play. Their biggest issue has been out of conference play. Right. They've had some tough competition there, but that's something you know. You know, you're familiar with your conference opponents. Yada yada yada. But if they can just rally around Colt McCoy, it's one of those you know vintage Kurt Warner. We're going to rally around Kurt Warner and make him our quarterback. They've got a legitimate shot at this, not just because, like you mentioned, not just because of what they have, but the rest of the division is just off. The Eagles are just off. I don't know how else to describe it. Carson Wentz has just seemed off. They barely beat a Giants team that you will hear me describe every single time I talk about them as the worst team in the NFL. I don't care. I don't care any other team you put out there. I don't care about the Raiders. I don't care about the Cardinals. They are the worst team in the NFL, the most disappointing team in the NFL, in my opinion. I could go on for on. On and on. I'm a Patriots fan, obviously. I can go on right. and on about the Giants. And then Dallas, those Cowboys. I oh, mean, yeah. they're they're just Dallas. They'll screw it up somehow. Won't yes, they? this is fair. <laughs> That's <laughs> something we can look forward to. No matter what, they'll screw it up somehow. So they've got a legitimate shot to win their division. But something you touched on, no matter who wins that division, I really don't see that divisional winner. You know, maybe they win one playoff game. Maybe. But when you look at the other teams leading divisions, you've got the Bears, the Rams, and the Saints. They're not beating any of those teams. No. And quite honestly, I think we should just skip the nonsense and go to a Rams-Saints-NFC title game right now. Really? Because I don't think anyone else has any chance. You don't think the Bears can hang? No. Not with those teams. <laughs> I, I mean, the Bear, and credit to the Bears. They've done an unbelievable job this year. The defense is back. Trubisky's looking good. Hopefully he won't uh, be hurt long term. But I'm telling you, the Rams and Saints are on another level. Offensively, I know the defense hadn't been there at times, but mm-hmm. the offenses are just, they're going to outscore any team they play until they play each other again. Now, the AFC is a bit more open, though. You've got oh, the, no question. the Chiefs, you know, they seem to be the best team, but the Patriots beat the Chiefs. You got the Steelers, the Chiefs beat the Steelers, the Patriots Steelers matchup still coming up. The Texans, they're surging. They've won seven in a row now. And then I've got to admit, my Super Bowl pick at the beginning of the season, 
the Chargers. Oh, yeah. Were you oh, yeah. old enough to do that? I was. I had an L.A.-L.A. Super Bowl. Wow. I had the Rams, so I feel pretty. I still feel pretty confident about that one. And then the Chargers. So when you look at the AFC, who do you see coming out of there? And most people think it's going to be Chiefs-Patriots in that championship game, but the Steelers are rolling. The Texans are rolling. The Chargers are a two-way team. We saw Phillip Rivers complete 25 straight passes. Do you still think it's Chiefs-Patriots, or could somebody else slip in there? I think someone absolutely could do that. And like you said, all of those teams are contenders. I think the AFC playoffs are going to be must-watch. I still believe it's going to be Chiefs-Patriots simply because I think the Chiefs at home will get over the hump this year and get that divisional round win, and I just trust the Patriots to do the same. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's Tom Brady. He's going to keep doing what he's doing until it, it's over, and I think the AFC Championship being at Arrowhead, assuming the Chiefs can run the table and hold on to that number one seed, That'll be very interesting because, as we know, the Patriots don't have nearly as good of a track record playing that game right. away from Foxborough as they do at home. So we will see. I certainly think any of those other teams could pull those upsets, but I'm not going to pick against the Patriots, quite honestly. And, and I really, right now, I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs either. Now, I will ask you, are you ready to pick Mahomes and the Chiefs against Brady and Belichick? If that game is an arrowhead, are you ready to take that step? Yes. You're ready. So, so you're telling me Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Yes. That's your that's, prediction. That's, and you notice the half second pause yeah, you're there. Like, yes. See, that was yeah. my issue when I was going through, you know, when we did this way before the season, we were like, okay, who are your Super Bowl picks? I didn't want to pick against Brady. And that right. was hard for me. It's like, okay, who can beat Brady? And I came to the conclusion, if I'm going to take anybody, I'm taking the Chargers just because of the fact they've got the offense, they've got the defense. The Chiefs don't have the defense. But right. my, oh my, do they have the offense. Oh, it's they just do. insane to watch. Well, you know, and then of course that, that Sunday night game earlier this season played in Foxborough. Yep. The Chiefs, I think, scored 41 points yes. against the Patriots and lost that game. So you put that game in Arrowhead, they're going to put up the same number of points, and I think they end up outscoring Oh, if, if they play New England in Arrowhead and they play the Rams in Arrowhead, I think they win those two games and they're yep. undefeated right now. Absolutely. And another team, though, that we got to watch out for, we talked about the Rams. The Saints oh, are yeah. right there. I said I've got the Rams and the Chargers in my Super Bowl. I think most people would say Chiefs most likely going to come out of the AFC. Saints and Rams, though. That is oh, yeah. that one's such it's so up in the air. If the Saints have home field advantage, though, it's going to be really tough to pick against them in that. Yeah, no question. And they they might run the table, but you could have two 15 and one teams yeah. coming in the NFC. And of course, like you said, that that would put that game in the Superdome. And the difference between the Saints and the Rams right now is the Saints are blowing teams out. Oh, it's just uh, it's, insane. It's unbelievable. Their I mean, defense is what we thought LA's defense would be. Right. Because that well, Rams so. defense has so much talent. Oh, but yeah. Marcus Peters, I don't know what's happened to him. He's just gone. He's just getting beat every other play. Aaron Donald is having an MVP season right. from the defensive tackle spot. But that Saints defense, they don't really have those top-notch playmakers that you see on the Rams defense, but they're just executing so much more better. And they look like they want to be out there playing defense and say, you know, we've got Breeze, we've got Kamara, we've got Michael Thomas, but our defense is the real deal too. Absolutely, and I think it's great to see that in the NFL too. Because, oh, yes. You know, we love seeing the Chiefs-Rams games. I mean, it's, it's must-watch TV, but at the same time, there's – there's a, a certain mystique that comes in the NFL when you can stop some teams. Right. You've got great defenses, great personalities back there, and the Saints are starting to feel that a little bit more. I do believe that the Rams' defense is going to show up in bigger games mm -hmm. down the stretch just because they have too much talent not to, and they're going to they're gonna pressure Breeze if they get to that game and, and, and try to create some issues. But, uh, yeah, if that, if that comes down to it and that game's in the Superdome, give me the Saints. And I will ask you, so basically what I'm getting from you there you think it's going to be a Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl if things hold as they are now? Yeah, I'd have to go with that right now. And I wouldn't have said that probably a couple of weeks ago. I'd have still said Rams-Chiefs because I thought they were mm -hmm. far and away. But the Saints, kind of like the Chargers in the AFC, were just very quiet. And then all of a sudden, whereas the Chargers 
lost that one game to Denver. Now they're back to it, and they're going to be a factor. But the right. Saints just kind of started impacting some teams and started once they beat the Rams. Then oh, yeah. people knew they were on the scene, and now it's a whole different ballgame. And I think it clicked for them mentally. Oh yeah. After that game, they're like, okay, we are the best team in the NFC, and it seems like they have that mindset night in, night out. And the team that you saw game one against Tampa Bay, that team is gone. Right. They are out the window. But I'm so too is that Buccaneer team. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> now I, I will tell you, from day one, I was firmly against Fitzmagic. I was like, this really? cannot be a thing. This has to be a fluke. And then you know he goes a few games and he keeps it going. Now everything's back to the normal. Mm-hmm. He's throwing a bunch of picks. Jameis is throwing a bunch of picks. That Winston Mariota, you know that one too. They're not looking too great. Nope. But I'm gonna ask you this: So you think the Super Bowl Saints Chiefs? If you had to, as a fan, though, pick a Super Bowl this year, just as a fan, what would you pick it to be? I think I I know who would come out of the NFC. Well, yeah. (laughs) But as a fan, what would you pick the Super Bowl to be? Wow. You know, I honestly, I I mean, certainly I'd love to see Rams Chiefs part two. That'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. I'd also, I like your thought about the LA Super Bowl because the Chargers to me are a really compelling story. Uh I mean, this is a team that no one believes in. San Diego half hates them because of, you know, what, what Dean Spanos I mean, they've did. got like, their attendance is like 25,000. Right. They play in a soccer stadium. They play in a stadium. soccer stadium. I mean, the whole team. And and think about their hashtag, right? Last year, they were hashtag fight for LA. Right. They realized very quickly they're losing that battle. <laughs> so now their hashtag is fight for each other. Yeah. And I feel like that's so true because yeah. they are literally playing for each other. That's they've all got, they've got. They've got a couple of fans and that's it. Yeah. So, and the fact that they've been able to put together the season that they have, they're eight and three. They had that long run. They were on the road for so long. It was just the guys wearing that same jersey and they're fighting for him i would love to see that team and philip rivers one of the good guys in football oh, yes. too i would love to see those guys win the lombardi and and kind of show the world hey we're a good team i don't like somebody start supporting right. us and do something to, to, to justify what we're doing here the chargers it seems like in the past all they've ever been able to do is get the wild card and then beat right. whoever they play in the first round somehow and they lose in the second exactly round. i tell you what i would like to see I would like to see, I hate to say this, as a Patriots fan, I hate to say this, I would like to see the Patriots back in. That makes me sound like a homer. But I want Brady versus Breeze. Right. I feel like that's long overdue in a Super Bowl. We never got Brady Manning just because it was never possible during the same conference. I feel like a Brady-Breeze Super Bowl. I don't care who wins. Probably the Saints would win that game. But Brady in the Super Bowl is something different. I feel like that would just be so much fun to see at this point. Well, what we've seen Patriots-Panthers. We've seen Patriots-Falcons. So just keep going against the NFC South and and two great teams. And we've seen Breeze-Manning. We have seen Breeze-Manning, absolutely. I would love to see a Breeze-Brady Super Bowl. And I would love to see you back here on the Nickel and Dime podcast very soon. We've been waiting on you to come in. It's great to have you on finally, Brett. Thank you so much for joining us. I know where it is. And do I have just another minute? Can I share one final Oh, absolutely. So uh, I just want to give a shout out real quick to uh, to Bob McNair, the uh, Houston Texans owner who passed away a couple days ago. Um, For those of you that don't know, he's a graduate of the University of South Carolina, as you mentioned, my alma mater as well, Um, originally from North Carolina. And he uh, in 1998, started a, a scholarship program for students out of state that he mm-hmm. wanted to to bring students down to South Carolina to give them the experience that it gave to them. And um, I was actually blessed enough to receive that scholarship um, in my year. And uh, so without, honestly, the generosity of, of, of Bob and, and his wife Janice and their whole foundation and family, I wouldn't have been able to go have the experiences that I had there, let alone pursue the dreams that I'm doing. And, and this, is, this has been a dream here at WKU. I've enjoyed every minute of it and excited to see what happens. But I wouldn't have the financial security in this business that I have now were it not for for what he did for me uh, back over the last couple of years. So um, certainly prayers up for his soul, prayers for his family. Um, I'm forever indebted to to him and, and, and to what he did. And I tell you, you, you will not find people of better character than the McNairs. Right. They are all about, you know, 
given back. And, and that's exactly what he did for us and, and certainly what I believe is a vocation for me moving forward. And I had heard a ton about what he had done for South Carolina, even before his passing. And now that yeah. he's passed on, you see everybody coming forward saying, you know, thank you so much for what you've done. And, you know, there's been some controversy around him in the past. But at the end of the day, you know, people that help the future generation, those are good people. I, mean, I don't care what you're doing, but if you're helping the future generation, you're helping people like you that just want to pursue something. We know broadcasting is a dream for a lot of people, and it's really tough because it's a competitive field. Yep. But to just have somebody help you to pursue your dream, it's awesome. Like you said, prayers up to McNair and his family. And thank you, Brett, once again for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much, Tyler. Go Skins. Every week we end the show with the what not to watch for segment. This week mine is pretty simple. Don't be watching for any kind of special shakeup when it comes to the college football playoffs. Ohio State's going to win. Write it down. Oklahoma's going to win as well. Mark that down too. They're going to avenge that loss earlier this season against Texas and Alabama's going to beat Georgia. Nothing's going to go wrong there. So you're going to have two one-loss conference champions and then you're going to have two-loss Georgia there as well. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what the committee decides to do in that situation. Don't watch for Ohio State to get upset. Don't be watching for Oklahoma to get upset. And most certainly, why would you be watching for Alabama to lose? I know we want it to happen. We hope, we dream, we pray for it to happen. We thought it would be LSU. We were wrong. And by we, I mean you, because I knew Alabama would run the brakes off of the LSU Tigers. And they're going to do the same thing to the Georgia Bulldogs. And speaking of doing the same thing, I hope you're back with us next week. It'll be our last episode of this season. We're going to go on winter break. We're going to chillax for just a little while because, you know, we deserve it. We work hard to put this thing together, but we've got one more week left for you of me, Harry, Casey, the whole gang, even Coach O is going to be back with us for one more episode of the season. A huge thank you to Brett Williams for joining us for this week's episode. He was fantastic. We're going to have him back soon. Be on the lookout for that. And a big thank you, as always, to Revolution 91.7 for providing us with the studio to record in. Of course, if you're listening on Apple, if you're listening on Spotify, or if you're on the home app itself, anchor.fm, leave a like, share it with all your friends. Let us know that you're listening. Specifically, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars. If you don't think we deserve it, leave us four and a half. How about that? We'll settle with it. We'll take it just so we know that you are listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening. I am Tyler Eaton, and as always, Michael Scott would tell you, we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Celebrate every day like a birthday.